Show. The Science of. It's the science of the rant. Tonight's guest, Philip Haslam, he's an economic advisor. He's also author of When Money Destroys Nations. The book, what, two years old now? Yes, 18 months. Eight, 18 months or so. And in the book, um, you, you painted some quite ghastly scenarios of what money is and what money can do and get, can do lots of good things, but money can also be particularly devastating if you get things wrong. Yes, I, I painted the, the uh, or I, I told the story of Zimbabwe's hyperinflation and uh, what happened when the uh, country began to print money on a large scale and how that affected ordinary people living on the ground. It's particularly important given that countries around the world are printing money on a massive scale. Uh, yeah. but, but the moment you say that and then you say, but you know, so printing money on a massive scale in Zimbabwe led to hyperinflation. Countries around the world are printing money on a massive scale and there's no inflation. Uh, well, well it, there is in inflation if you include uh, asset prices and housing, uh, housing markets in the UK and the United States have, have uh, gone up very significantly. And, um, and you, you know, the, the, the message of Zimbabwe was that money printing took time to uh, work its way through the economy. And, uh, and so there might not be short-term uh, uh, inflation, but as, as money printing becomes a, a norm and as governments begin to do it over a, an extended period, certainly the effects become very real. There has people. to be a consequence. I don't know what that consequence is. You, you um, can't go and create money out of nothing and spend it on real goods and services and, and expect that there will be no uh, long-term consequences. There are very real consequences. And part of our whole study of our book was to look at how does it affect ordinary people? Because, uh, you know, economics can easily, very easily be sort of high-flying terms that, uh, uh, you know, professors use. But actually, in, in this instance, it has very real consequences on people's lives. Okay, let, let me, let's take 10 steps back if we can, um, because it, it's this fundamental question. And um, the Bitcoin people are very excited because they're having a big conference uh, later on this year, and they're saying, you've got to come to the conference. I say, like, oh, I couldn't. Um, uh, very busy. Um, uh, but but, but it, does, it does raise the question, um, in what is money? I mean, it's, you know, forms of exchange have been around for an awfully long time, from seashells to bartering to all sorts of things where if I perceive you, this thing you give me to have value, then I will give you um, some built-on fruit or whatever, uh, whatever you, you, you choose to buy out of my shop. But I've got to believe that thing you give me has got value. So, so what is money? Absolutely. I mean, it's the uh, question we get a lot. And, and, you know, if you think about it, you are willing to work hard. You'll give uh, goods and services in exchange for a piece of paper uh, that says 10 and an R on it. And it's green with a uh, um, a rhino, a rhino, and and uh, and then you'll be you you you're also willing to give twenty times the amount of value for a piece of paper that's orange with a leopard, and um, and and yet you you just get used to this in in day to day living. Um, so, so the, the question of what is money is is actually uh, it, it's it's fundamental in understanding uh, how money works and certainly how the what the science of the rand is. Um, in an economy, we have value: goods and services, hotels, uh, 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 fields, and cars, and 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 the the stuff that we use on a day to day basis. And in in a long long time ago, when when people initially started trading, they had to barter. 
And there's a number of weaknesses with barter. And, and so after a while, they began to discover that there were some uh, uh, commodities that were universal that everyone wanted. Okay. Silver. Silver. Gold. Bronze. Yeah. Fuel in Zimbabwe. <laughs> uh, a, a, a grain. You know, those sorts of things. Many different things have, have fulfilled this uh, function, but it's effectively a commodity that is divisible and tradable and that reflects the full value of the economy. So you take the whole, all of the economy, all the goods and services, and you divide it up by the units of, um, of what we call money, uh, and, and that gives you your average prices. Okay. Now, you give me one of those blue notes with a buffalo on it, and I give you uh, 100 rands worth of stuff. You happy that I give you 100 rands worth of stuff? I then have that 100 rand note. I then take it and I go and buy something else worth 100 rand with that particular piece of paper. As long as everybody believes that that piece of paper will give me the value of those goods, then everything is hunky-dory, right? Correct. And, um, you know, one of the main points that you need in this uh, commodity is that it is limited in supply. So when it's limited in supply, everyone knows that there's a fixed amount of, of units of that currency in circulation and, uh, and they can rely on the value of that money not changing. Okay, but now governments around the world, are, you know, find it very tempting to go in and begin to print more money. Why would governments want to print more money? It's an extremely uh, easy way of, uh, of being able to pay for goods and services on a day-to-day basis. I mean, if you, 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 on the one hand, you can go and tax people. You can uh, borrow further from, from lenders. But those are quite difficult to do on a large scale. Um, but printing money is a very it's, – it's, it's quite easy to do. The incentives are actually there to say, hey, you know, if we just printed just a little bit of money – we can buy, you know, spend a little bit more. If we printed just a little bit of money, maybe we can deal with South African Airways debts or we can, you know, fund ESCOM or, you know. So, so the incentives are certainly there to print money and the consequences aren't immediate. Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's absolutely true. Now, I, you come into my shop and rather than give me 100 rand, you say to me, I'm doing a rough calculation, here is $6 for the equivalent amount of stuff. Now, that would be illegal because you're not allowed to spend dollars, but we're in Zimbabwe right now, so that's okay. Um, But but you could say, here's $6 for the equivalent amount of stuff. Now, I go, hold on a second, 100 rand versus $6? Are you crazy? Um, You know, a year ago, you would have had to give me $10 for the same amount of stuff. Um, I'm not taking six, but exchange rates move. They do. Why? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's obviously uh, a, a, a very current question given the, the state of the RAND at the moment. There are four fundamental drivers of an exchange, uh, exchange rate, four fundamental re- uh, reasons why you would price currency at a particular level. Okay? The first is locally, what is my international trade? How am I uh, engaging? It's called the current account, and, and basically am I importing more than I'm ex- exporting or am I exporting more than I'm importing? The reason this is important is when, when we import goods and services, we have to pay, with, uh, pay for those using U.S. dollars. Okay? Mm-hmm. We need to get those U.S. dollars from somewhere. And so typically our export industries will uh, export goods and services and they will get U.S. dollars. And, and we have to get U.S. dollars because the U.S. dollar is the global default currency. That's why we 
get US dollars? Well, we refer typically to foreign currency, so US okay. dollars, uh, euros, uh, uh, yuan, etc. Depending on where you're going to trade, of course. Correct, yeah. So that's the current account. And, and now if we, have, if we import on a sustained basis more than we export, we actually have to pay for that using uh, uh, US dollars. We need to get those US dollars from somewhere. So we have somewhere. to buy more. We have to buy more, okay, using rands. Now, the demand for dollars increases and the, uh, the demand for rands decreases. Because we're throwing rands out into a global environment, which is more keen to have dollars than it is rands. Correct. Absolutely. So that's the first driver is the current account. The second driver is called the capital account. So, so very briefly, you, you know, if we, we, if we, we as a country, we want to incentivize other countries to invest in us. Give us your money. Invest it in our markets. And, and so those uh, uh, countries and individuals will invest their hard-earned dollars in South Africa and provide a supply of uh, U.S. dollars. That's a, a counterbalancing force to our exchange right. rate. The third one is interest rates. Okay, it's another form of this capital account. And if we increase our interest rates here, we say to uh, these foreigners, we say, look, if you invest your money with us, you'll get a higher return. And it incentivizes people to invest in, in the country. Now, this is massively controversial because this is the hypothesis right now that this is what the Reserve Bank of South Africa is going to do. Raise interest rates by more than perhaps had been indicated previously. Previously, it was going to be two or three, maybe four 25 basis point increases for 2016. But we've seen the currency lose value. Correct. How do you attract currency into your, into your country or into your currency? How do you attract dollars and pounds and euros and one into your currency, will you pay people more to give it to you, to lend it to you? Correct. So this is the discussion at the moment, and the Reserve Bank is uh, in discussions about whether it will inc- increase the interest rates to try and attract foreign capital. But the problem is, is the interest rate is only one part of many different drivers of the exchange rate. Um, and, and the question is, if we increase our interest rates, is that sufficient to motivate foreigners to invest in our country. Given all the, 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 uh, the history and some of the uh, uh, concerns that have been raised recently, you know, is, is it about attracting people to a higher interest rate or are people just concerned of the risks inherent in South Africa? Uh, and and that, that the risk, uh, South Africa's risk profile has changed in the last month. Lots of people are telling me that they view putting money into this economy very differently than they did uh, on the 10th of December? It, it's, it's changed radically and fundamentally. Uh, it, it has been on a path, though, of, uh, of concern that we've been uh, talking about for several years, um, and it's this issue of growing debts and how sustainable is the growth in South Africa's debts. Um, you, you know, particularly, you know, given there's a number of different drivers at the moment of, of our debt, uh, but it's... It's really about this uh, centralized government beginning to consume more and more and people looking to the government to bail them out in many mm. different areas of life, whether it be South African Airways, whether it be ESCOM, it could be uh, uh, fees must fall. How about the e-tolls? You know, and and, and uh, uh, the government is spending, but it's all on a debt basis. Yeah. And, and the question is how long can that continue? 
And that's the answer. Private Gordon's going to have to give very convincingly his budget speech at the end of February because the ratings agencies, who I think would have heaved a, a sigh of relief when he was appointed on day four of of uh, what many people are calling Nenegate on the Sunday evening, he got a call saying, guess what, you're in, you're it. Um, and uh, the ratings agency would have gone, okay, fine, there's a bit of respite there, but they want the... the the fiscal message to come through loud and clear. Uh, it says, Rory, are you aware that the RAND is only reluctantly accepted in Zimbabwe because of its poor exchange rate? I was talking to a Zimbabwean person um, who was um, going and, and sending money home over Christmas, and this person understood currency markets far better than I ever could. Because So trying to figure out what's happened to the RAND, because the RANDs they had were buying far fewer dollars to take back to Zimbabwe. And this person had a grasp of currency markets like I've not heard mm. uh, from, from somebody who's paid an awful lot of money to analyze this stuff. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The uh, Zimbabweans that I've interviewed have an understanding of money unlike anyone else I've, I've met, like, like you, Bruce. Um, and the reason is they've experienced significant turmoil with the money printing in their, uh, in their country. To answer the uh, listener's uh, question, though, uh, the RAND – plays a very small part in Zimbabwe. Uh, the primary currency that is being traded in Zim is uh, United States dollar, but uh, they also trade uh, British pounds. There's a move for uh, Chinese yuan to be traded, uh, and it's, a, it's pretty much a free-floating currency environment. We're, we're actually investigating whether we'd be able to uh, establish a Bitcoin point-of-sale uh, point uh, payment system in, in Zimbabwe, and uh, we're quite excited about, uh, about where that would go. So it's the science of the RAND this evening, as best we can, with Philip Haslam, the economic advisor and author of When Money Destroys Nations. Where is the RAND going to? You're asking me the, the question. I'm looking at you in your direction, <laughs> and it, my, 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 my favorite hospital pass technique has just gone straight to you. Bruce, it's, a, it's an excellent question, and I'm sure a question that you ask a lot of people. Um, and nobody's I, yet answered it, it, it to my satisfaction. And, and, and anyone who does answer it would be a fool. You, you, the, uh, the reality with these things is that uh, markets move and markets change. There's uh, sentiment and it's difficult to predict. No one has a crystal ball. However, there are certainly critical drivers. Um, and, and uh, you know, this is part of the question that I've, uh, I, I get a lot since I've studied uh, Zimbabwe is, you know, is South Africa similar to Zimbabwe? And, you know, I, I, I avoid that question as well. But the reality is uh, there are certain economic fundamentals that, that we've studied in Zimbabwe that apply to all countries. One of them is that uh, debt is not sustainable. And uh, when when a point comes, as I'd mentioned, when a point comes when lenders uh, begin to question the ability of the government to, to repay those debts, typically there's a credit crisis of some sort. This has happened countless times through the ages in, in, uh, in many countries around the world. And the government then is typically faced with a decision. And the decision is – are we going to uh, uh, shut down, uh, shut office effectively and, and reduce our spending because we can't borrow any further and we now need to fuss-bait and actually pay our, our, our debts? Or are we going to print money and continue living as we were before? Now, that's a fundamental question, a question that I can't answer for South Africa, where we, what would happen if, if we uh, had a debt crisis of some sort. But uh, at that point, 
certainly if the government began to print money on a large scale, there would be a, a significant downward trend on, in, in the value of the currency of, of that country. How would we know if the government was printing money? Uh, well, would it come through in the M3 money supply numbers? I mean, that, that, that's what that number's for, right? Correct. Okay. Yes, yeah. So, so certainly the, 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 the basic numbers that we, we know. I mean, the M3 money supply figures come from the banking system. And uh, very often the, uh, the central banks around the world will go directly and, and buy uh, government bonds using direct uh, money printing, yeah. as it were, but creating money through the the, the direct channel. Uh, but yes, we see it in the M three money supply figures. Yeah. Okay. So, are we able to intervene in this current in this in this current currency sell off? Um, not to go and buy dollars um, uh, or, or to go off and, and intervene in the foreign exchange markets. Christos taught us that that was a terribly bad idea um, when he tried it in 1996-7 um, when it was announced that Tito Boweni was going to become the Reserve Bank governor and people went, the Labour Minister at the Reserve Bank, as it turns out, he did a fine job uh, Did Tito Boweni under difficult circumstances at the Reserve Bank in those days. But Christos tried to defend the RAND. Now, is there, from a policy perspective, anything we could be doing to lessen the pain, even improve the strength of the RAND? Correct. We can, absolutely. And, and if we look at those drivers that I discuss, uh, mentioned earlier, drivers of the exchange rate, uh, we can look at each of those. We can uh, um, look to establish our export markets uh, uh, properly. And, and when I'm, what I mean there is that uh, our export markets actually are uh, under significant pressure. Our mines are one of the main uh, contributors of, of foreign currency and, uh, and there's not a lot of support for our minds uh, from our, our government. So certainly they're, they're, we could look at supporting our, our export uh, 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 businesses. We need to look at importing less. So, so import substitution would be an important uh, play an important role. Effectively balancing our current accounts. Um, certainly, we need to establish the uh, uh, right policies in our government to encourage foreign capital to come into our country. Whether that can be done after Nenegate, you know, it's, it's anyone's guess. We're gonna have to. I think we'll have to earn back a lot of trust. But um, yeah, I, I remain positive that we can and we will. But you, just not quickly. But we will. Yes, and, and, and there's a lot of uh, um, opportunity in, in, uh, in the other two drivers, which is, uh, you know, can we increase interest rates? That we certainly can. We can look to attract foreign capital. And, um, and relatively speaking, internationally, there's a whole lot of money printing going on. Mm-hmm. And if we fuss bait, not print money and allow other currencies to depreciate, it means our currency appreciates. And, and and one hopes so because I'm off to Davos next week where I'm told – I looked at the Big Mac index yesterday in terms of purchasing power parity um, and I'm not going to go and buy myself a Big Mac for the record. But if I was to go and buy a Big Mac, it would cost me four times more in Zurich than it does in Joburg. And, and that to me is befuddling. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, befuddling in one sense and in another sense it's a sign for inflation in South Africa because if you uh, – uh, uh, McDonald's, and you see that relative to Switzerland, suddenly all your profits in South Africa are reducing, and your costs in US dollar terms remain the same. You need to increase the price of your Big Mac. So that hasn't happened yet, and inflation takes a while to work its way through into the system. 
but uh, uh, certainly purchasing power parity indicates that South African prices are too low. And um, and unfortunately, with the drop in the exchange rate, we, we're going to see, uh, we will likely see prices increase locally. And that's the problem that we face. The science of the rand this evening. It's a depressing picture. Give me a level for the end of the year, Philip Haslam. I know you don't want to, but you will. A, a, a level for the end of the year? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, um, I don't okay. know. And, uh, and Better, and, and, higher yeah. or lower than it is now? Are we going to see a weaker rand or a stronger rand than it is now? I'm, I'm pessimistic about the rand and the value of the rand over the uh, uh, medium term. And uh, so I would say lower. The value of the currency would be lower. Go away. Uh, Philip Haslam, thank you very much for coming in this evening. Uh, Philip Haslam is an economist. He is the co-founder of the Monetary Justice Project. It's a think tank on currency reform, but he's also the author of When Money Destroys Nations.